Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. And an especially haunted episode, because today we are going to talk about my film highlights from October 2022, in which, like I do every year in October, I participated in hashtag 31 horror films 31 days where the challenge is simply to watch 31 horror films within 31 days um usually one movie a day every day for 31 days and in typical isaac's haunted beard fashion and i think for a lot of you people as well um i did more surprise surprise than than 31 horror films in fact although i do believe in watching a movie a day every day for 31 days i don't limit myself to that i watch what i feel like watching now in the past i have done as many as 70 movies in the month of october that's in fact my record i did that actually the last two years in a row and this year as you know as i've mentioned in previous episodes on my podcast i've been watching a lot of tv uh shows this year so i've been taking a break from movies and trying to catch up with my uh, TV watching. And because of that, uh, I've been watching a lot less movies. And I'm mentioning this because going into this challenge, simply watching 31 movies would be more than I'm used to watching, at least this year. But I also knew that I wasn't going to just stop at 31. There's no way I was just going to do 31 horror films. But also, I didn't think I could do 70 because because I slowed down so much of my movie watching this year, I felt like I got used to that pacing. So 70 really felt overwhelming to me. So I knew I wasn't going to accomplish that. And I wasn't going to be hard on myself for not accomplishing that. Like that's not something I have to do. <laughs> but I did watch 50 horror films, which is pretty good. And for the record, I actually watched 52 movies in October because two of those movies weren't horror films. They were comedies but they are horror themed or excuse me halloween themed comedies so i felt like they were appropriate to include in my programming and for the record those movies were the curse of bridge hollow and hubie halloween which i have watched every october since it's been released and that is of course adam sandler's uh halloween themed comedy which was made for netflix so i thought I would share with you some of my film highlights from the year 2022. Now, some of the movies that I'm going to... Well, no, that's not true. Actually, I think only one of the movies that I'm going to talk about today is a movie that was a first-time viewing for me. A lot of these were movies that I... um, No, 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 no. I take that back. Two of these movies were first-time viewings for me. And the rest are movies I've seen before, but it's been a while. So... I'm bringing them up because uh, <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things where, like, you see a movie, you feel a certain way about it, and then you watch it again later, and you discover that you like it a lot more than you remember liking it, and that excitement inspired me to share those particular movies with you. <laughs> so... Uh, let's just jump right into this conversation, shall we? <laughs> uh, one of the movies that I watched in October from the year 2015, The Visit. 
This is M. Night Shyamalan's found footage film about two young siblings who go to visit their grandparents, whom they've never met before, and decide to document the trip. What starts out innocent enough gets spooky as the old couple starts to display erratic behavior that gets worse as the film progresses to the point of being dangerous. This movie is great because old people in horror films are scary. A lot of the times when I see old people in horror films, I don't trust them. <laughs> now, in real life, I do trust them because, you know, old people are gentle, usually in kind and not very uh, threatening. <laughs> like if I, if I had to fight an old person, I think I could take them. <laughs> they got old bones, man. Um, but in horror movies, uh, yeah. I think that's the point of putting old people in horror films. I think the point is to take a person that you're familiar with in real life and the kind of person that you have um, feelings towards, especially feelings where you find them to be especially not dangerous physically to you. Like you don't think they could harm you if they were to try to attack you and then make them dangerous. Now, you don't have to always use them in that way in a horror film. Usually they can just be creepy. Like that's enough. They don't have to actually try to, you know, physically attack you. They can just, you know, give you spooky warnings or just say things to creep you out. But in the visit, although it might start off that way, these particular old people do become physically threatening. And I think there's something about that that seems especially scary because it's just something that we're not used to. Like I'm trying to wrap my mind around like what makes old people in horror films scary. <laughs> and I think we don't expect them to be a threat to us physically. And when they can move around uh, more like a younger person and they could like cause us physical harm, it just takes us by surprise. And I think with this particular film, because the potential victims are young people, um, like real, like, you know, not adults. Um, it makes them feel more, um, like they can't especially protect themselves, you know, because kids are kind of afraid of adults and don't really trust adults much anyway. And when these particular adults that are posing a threat, are supposed to be, you know, like the kind of adults who are especially supposed to take care of them and love them and especially not be a threat. Um, it just makes the whole thing much, much worse. Now, this is a film by M. Night Shyamalan, who is someone that I have noticed that a lot of people, um, Kind of like Tim Burton, I feel like they they liked his earlier work, but they lost interest somewhere along the way. And I feel like this was the start of his comeback, where I've noticed people starting to come back around to him because I've noticed him starting to focus on making more horror films lately, like old. And with M. Night Shyamalan, I think because he's established himself as a storyteller who is known for doing twist endings, people especially like to at least watch his films 
to see the twists because they're usually quite clever. And I'm a fan of his. And I think that his movies are usually pretty smart and well executed. And I felt like The Visit is definitely one of those movies. And I'm really happy that I finally got to see it. And one of the things about this movie that you're going to notice in today's episode is that it is the first in a couple of different found footage films that I, I checked out or rechecked out last month that I, I was especially um, pleased with. Like, for instance, um, the next film. In fact, I'm going to talk about two movies next, but one of them is a found footage film. Now, I did a double feature one night of Diary of the Dead from the year 2007 and Survival of the Dead. And that's from the year 2009. Now, both of these films are by film director George A. Romero. I don't need to teach you who that is, but for that one single person who listens to my podcast in a cave, that's right, I'm talking to you, Captain Caveman. This is the guy who gave the world Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead. And you thought he was done with them dead movies. And no, you'd be wrong because he returned with Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. These two films complement each other. The first, Diary of the Dead, is a found footage film. It is about a group of film students who document the start of a zombie outbreak. The second film, Survival of the Dead, is about a group of people who arrive at an island to escape the zombies and find themselves in the middle of a war between two Irish families, the O'Flins and the Muldoons. And there is a very little connection between the two films. There is a scene in the first film that is repeated in the second film. And it's a moment where characters from the first film and characters from the second film uh, meet each other and you see the scene twice and you see it from both groups point of view. And I think that's an, I love that idea. Um, this is not a celebrated, I mean, it does have its fans, but I, I think for the most part, both diary of the dead and survival of the dead are not necessarily celebrated movies. Um, people who like George Romero's zombie films, his living dead films tend to write off these two movies. And here's what I think. Okay. Um, I am not of the opinion that just because it doesn't live up to some sort of benchmark that he has established for himself, that that should be enough to just write it off completely. Like I don't, I, I think there's room for these movies in your life. If you just simply enjoy watching zombie films. Like I'm sure there are zombie films that exist that are much worse than this that you might like. And you might say, oh, but that's a guilty pleasure. Like whatever. If this film is a film that you need to group into that section of guilty pleasures and so be it. And okay, well, you'll say, well, that's movies that I usually consider campy or whatever. Like whatever, whatever excuse or reason you want to give to it, give it to it because it's worth a second chance. Like when you have a guy like George Romero, who is or was a really good filmmaker and who is no longer with us, like that's it, man. He's not making movies anymore. So uh, maybe, you know, 
now's a good time as any to reevaluate some of his later films that you just simply wrote off. They weren't bad films and he's not making any more. So if you ever find yourself going, man, I wish George A. Romero was still around making movies. What about those movies he did make that you either were not paying attention to or just went, eh, it's not so good because it's not as good as their, you know, yeah, okay. A lot of people who made movies in the earlier part of their life when they were younger made better movies, but he still made movies, man. And in my opinion, they're still pretty good. And I did in fact find some friends on Twitter who also liked those movies. And that was, that was nice to see see some love for for those two films i think they're both good but of those two films i especially like survival of the dead now if you have seen those films and i'll say the same for all the movies that we're going to talk about today you may notice that i'm giving very brief descriptions and i'm not really going into too much detail and that's just simply because just because october is over it doesn't mean that i don't think that you might not seek out some of these movies if you're inspired to do so i don't want to give you spoilers because i want you to be surprised by the surprises okay especially with horror films like a big part of horror films are surprising the audience you know because some of them are just like plot surprises and some of them are just surprises that are designed to scare you so we are going to move on and the next movie that we talk about is also a found footage film and it's also a film that i'm very much aware people don't like so from the year 2012 the devil inside yes i like the devil inside um for those of you who are not familiar with this movie it's a mockumentary about a woman who travels to rome to find her mother who is in a catholic psychiatric hospital and she's been there for 20 years ever since she murdered three people during her own exorcism this is a movie that actually has a couple of different twists and turns and i find it difficult to properly explain why i like it because a big part of the reason why i like it is because of those twists and turns in fact when i watched this movie I was very close to doing a podcast episode about it because I'm aware of people like always like um, openly, you know, dissing it. And I felt like it deserved someone to champion it. But because it's kind of a shorter film, I mean, it's a feature film, but it's it's not very long. And um, And like I said, like, one of the one of my my biggest arguments for it would be like i like this twist and that twist and that twist like how do you even like explain it without giving that stuff away and i'm not i i don't want to deny anyone those reveals so it's asking a lot of anyone who who hasn't seen these films to just trust me and and watch them if you do have that trust and you do check them out like i said these movies are pretty short like i think i think this movie is like under an hour and a half it's really not that much of a commitment of your time and i also really enjoy i mean i enjoy all kinds of sub genres of horror but for the case of this particular film i i need to point out that this is a possession film and i really enjoy possession films i just love movies with exorcisms in them and 
I'm sure a lot of that comes from the fact that one of my favorite horror movies of all time is The Exorcist. So I just love it when people are possessed by demons. I just think it's a hoot and a holler. And I, and I do I do get a kick out of the fact that this movie is called The Devil Inside, which is a title of a song by In Excess from their masterpiece album, Kick. The next movie on this list is not a found footage film. No. However, after I tell you what it is, I could picture some of you going, that's not a horror movie, that's for the children. I disagree. I disagree. The next movie on this list from the year 2019 is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Like Goosebumps, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is in fact based on a book or or a series of books that were geared towards kids that were in fact scary stories or literally i guess scary stories that you could tell in the dark and people have these very nostalgic memories of these books growing up and i guess that's the target audience for the film and goosebumps and goosebumps 2 are i i like those movies but those are definitely kids halloween themed or horror themed movies I think Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, although it's something that's based on books that are from your youth and maybe kind of sorta it's targeted towards kids or younger people, uh, I think it's a I think it deserves to be considered an actual horror film. And I actually think like there's moments in this movie that's kind of scary. Now, I personally don't get scared. <laughs> I'm a horror movie watching veteran, so I'm used to stuff by now. I'm desensitized. But I, I do have an easy time picturing what it would feel like to watch any movie through different people's eyes. Like, what would this movie be like if it was being watched by someone who doesn't typically watch horror films, who does get scared easily? Um, would this movie be scary? Like, I think the answer is yes. I could definitely think there are scary moments in this movie. Now, if you haven't seen it, this movie is taking place in the year 1968. And it's about a group of teenagers who explore a supposed haunted house and take from the house a book of scary stories written by a girl who had lived in that house and was accused of witchcraft. After the book is removed from the house, new stories start to appear in the book, telling tales of murder that mimic events that come true in real life. Um, this is a movie that if you... If you are curious about checking it out, usually it's streaming somewhere, but the good news is um, it's always like really cheap. Like whenever you find the Blu-ray, it's, it's, it's one of those movies that usually it's like $5. I get maybe because it didn't do so good, they're just trying to give them away, but it's a pretty easy film to find and it's a pretty affordable movie to find. And I do recommend it. And I think it's worth having in your movie collection. Like if you collect horror films, um, I think it's a good addition to your, to your collection. So, yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's my scary stories to tell in the dark, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so the next film uh, is actually a Spanish film. So it is uh, not in English. If you watch it, you got to read the subtitles, right? So from the year 2020 is a film, and this is the English translation. It's called The Last Matinee. And it's a very simple premise. Now, for some reason, this movie takes place in the year 1993. They say that in the beginning of the film, 
And to be honest with you, if for some reason this movie was just playing on TV and during that part where they mentioned 1993, like I went to the bathroom or something and I came in and I missed that part, I wouldn't spend the rest of the movie going, oh, this is clearly 1993. Like it's not like a period piece, you know, or just like, oh, look, that guy's, you know, got tickets to the, you know, uh, the Nirvana concert or whatever that would place it in 1993. It, it feels like it could be now, but it's established that it takes place in the year 1993. And it's about a small audience in a movie theater who are slowly being murdered while watching a horror film. So there is a movie within a movie. And this is a slasher film. And I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm someone who grew up in the 80s as a kid watching slasher films. So I enjoy slasher films. And as a slasher movie fan, I don't need them to be too complicated in the plot. Uh, if they're well done, like with the kills and stuff, um, I'm on board. And I, I think this one is well done. And this particular killer likes to remove the eyes of its victims, which is very reminiscent of See No Evil, which is another movie that I rewatched last month. That's the horror movie where, where, where the wrestler Kane plays the killer Jacob Goodnight. I rewatched uh, See No Evil and See No Evil 2. I think those movies are fun. I particularly like See No Evil 2 quite a bit. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's not much to say about it other than if you like slasher films, it's a pretty good one. Uh, for the record, I watched, I watched the last matinee and a double feature with demons because demons is another horror film that takes place in a the movie theater. I thought it'd be a good themed, uh, double feature horror movies that take place in movie theaters. The next film that I want to share with you, my thoughts on is a film from the year 2016 called hush, a woman who lives alone out in the middle of nowhere is being stalked by a killer thing is this woman is a deaf mute she's also a horror novelist so she has what she calls a writer's brain which she uses to her advantage to survive the ordeal because she writes horror stories where she has to figure out how the people in her books are going to survive. She can come up with all these different scenarios. Like if this happens, then this could happen. Or if this happens, then this should happen. She can apply that to real life. So when she's trying to weigh her options of how she can thwart her killer, she uses her writer brain to her advantage and to try to come out ahead. And because she is a deaf mute, the experience of this movie is different from other movies because there's less uh, dialogue and there's more silence and it just it just plays into the story. I don't want to give too much away. Um, I feel like you may have seen this one already. It's definitely worth reviewing. I think it it plays well on rewatches, which I think uh, it's something that horror movies, um, thankfully, in my opinion, as a horror movie fan, has to its advantage is that if you like them and they're fun, uh, even though you know what's going to happen, they are fun to rewatch and revisit. So this is one of them. And this is by director Mike Flanagan, who has since then become more and more famous. I won't name all his credits, but he is the guy that got to make the sequel to The Shining called Dr. Sleep, which is also pretty good. I didn't watch that last month, but I have seen it before, and it is pretty cool. Let's move on to the next movie on the list, shall we? From the year 1976, Alice Sweet Alice. There's a series of killings in all 
fingers point to the killer being a troubled young girl. Okay, so this is one of those movies where every single opportunity this movie has to lead the viewer to believe that the killer is the girl they do, and it's done so perfectly that it feels impossible, friggin' impossible, that the killer is not the girl. Is it? Man, I know you're thinking, you're thinking, well, clearly it's not because of the way you're hyping it. I'm still not going to tell you. This is a great film, man. I've seen it before, but I feel like this is one of those movies that like, like I remember thinking it was all right the first time I saw it, but it was really, really much better the second time I watched it. It is a good film. <laughs> and um, there's a character in this movie who plays the, there's a guy who plays the landlord of the building that the little girl lives in. And he is creepy as all get out. He is like 500 pounds and he's bald and his eyebrows are shaved off and he's kind of effeminate and he eats cat food and he's just, oh, he's so deliciously creepy. And there's a series of scenes throughout the movie where he has interactions with the girl who is supposedly the killer that is worth the price of admission alone. It is a chef's kiss. And um, if you like creepy old 70s movies and that's your jam, please check this out because it is also a pretty good mystery. Like, who is the killer? Is it the girl or is it someone else? And if it's not the girl, how in the heck are they going to explain that it's not based on all the obvious evidence pointing to the fact that it's the girl. You got to find out for yourself. The last one you want to talk about today is a film from 1980, which has been getting a lot of uh, revisits and reevaluations lately because it lately because it has been finally released again on home video in the 4K format, and that is Alligator. And Alligator is living in the city sewers of Chicago, feeding on discarded animals who were used as test subjects in an experimental growth formula, which in turn causes the alligator to grow to a huge size. Now, this is one of those movies that I consider to be a part of a series of animal films that were inspired by Jaws, where you just have a really um, large animal uh, wreaking havoc. And it is a great film. Um, not a great film in the way Jaws is a great film, but it's a great creature feature. It stars Robert Forster. I don't want to sell you on who that is if you don't know who it is. But what's great about that is like this feels like a kind of a B-movie. And because it's a B-movie, it feels like it doesn't really need great acting in it. Like it, it would be just fine with just cheesy acting. But Robert Forster gives a performance in this movie that is almost better than this movie deserves. And yet he does it so effortlessly. He's so charismatic and he so, so has such a, like a calm, cool approach to his acting style. Um, I saw this movie as a kid. Like that's the last time I saw it was when I was a kid. I remember as a kid, cause I was into horror as a kid. And I remember hearing about it and asking my dad if he had seen it. And I remember him saying, eh, it's not that good. But I was like, yeah, I still want to see it though. He's like, okay, well, well, we'll rent it. And I remember we rented it and I watched it. And I remember thinking back then, Eh, he's right. It's, it's not that good. And I could see how me as a kid would 
not be as into it because in the eighties I was more into like a nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th movies and stuff like that. And this movie doesn't feel like those movies, but I'm so happy I got to revisit it all these years later as an adult, because I can finally appreciate that it is in fact a good film. And I don't even really have to sell you on it because I've already observed on Twitter that Alligator is really finding its audience. So there, that's a small sample of some of the 50 movies that I watched in October to participate in hashtag 31 horror films, 31 days. And it's been fun sharing with you some of my thoughts on these spooky movies that I watched during spooky season. And I hope you also had a safe spooky season. Thank you for spending time with me as I rambled about these horror films. I look forward to talking movies again with you very, very soon. Until then, please take care of each other and yourself. Aloha.